tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved with helping cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we are speaking with the great Sterling Davis, Trap King. It's great to have you here, Sterling. Hey, thanks for having me. Always good to be here. Always good to come by, chat with you some more. Yeah. So folks, uh, Sterling's been on the show before. So if you're interested in finding out a bit about his background um, and all that kind of stuff, you can feel free to uh, go to the communitycastpodcast.com website and just put Sterling in the search bar. And all of the things that Sterling has done with us will pop right up there and you'll get a good list of binge listening and watching things, things all <laughs> Sterling. So feel free to go there. But I first, I always ask this question. So just making sure Sterling, you are certainly still passionate about cats, right? I would have to say 150%. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. As my baby Demita Joe is in my lap right now, grooming herself. <laughs> I remember when yes, she was a kitten. Passionate. I remember when she was a little kitten. She is not a little kitten anymore. Oh, she a diva now. She's she's you can't tell her nothing. She I remember her being in my hand almost that small. And now big old girl, big diva. Yeah. <laughs> As cats get older, did they travel okay still? Yeah. I I will say though, the pandemic slowed things down for Demita because we were out everywhere and we were going to schools like right before the pandemic started we were visiting schools and you know teaching children about TNR compassion and everything for animals for living creatures and then when it happened she wasn't around children like that the same so she's a little different now with the little ones like she's not as free around them as she was when she was when we were doing it all the time she's still real confident but with the kids it's a little different than it was before before she could just be in front of 500 kids and just doing her thing and now it's like hey those kids are a little loud over there <laughs> you know i don't even think i know the story how did you get her so she was we were trying to trap her mother actually so her mom unfortunately was hit by a car and we found me and the amazing acro cats found her and three siblings in the bushes where near where the mom was hit. So the mate Samantha and the amazing acro cats bottle fed her and her three siblings. We adopted out two of her sisters and her brother Bowie, who we also kept, is like the lead drummer for the amazing acro cats. Now he's been <laughs> with Sam. He's with Sam right now. So, but yeah, she was a bottle baby and we still have her and Bowie, but we adopted out her two sisters. Since the whole COVID thing and, you know, we're, we're now in the summertime, so things have opened up a bit and hopefully a little bit more normal. What are your takes on how things have like helped or hurt the situation with community cats over the last 24 months or so? Well, I mean, it, it, the hurt, the hurt is obvious. Like if we, with the clinics being closed, it's only so much we can do. We can't get we can't get the babies in there to get them spayed, neutered, and vaccinated. So that's definitely the hurt. The lack of 
uh, even now, even still, it still hasn't gone back completely the same to where like with me, I was trapping every single day. It wasn't one day that I had to miss, but now things are still a little slow. So it hurt in that sense, especially because we walking right in the kitten season, still trying to get it right. So the, the hurt is obvious. We haven't been able to do TNR as much. We haven't been able to trap as much. But I think on a positive note, we've been able to focus on the other things like like what, what you and neighborhood cats do, the education. That's amazing. So we've been able to focus on the education. And one of the main things that I've been trying to do is focus on the relationships, the fixers. We got to fix the fixers. So and that's something before I would talk about a lot. But I was always out trapping, trapping, trapping. So when I had to sit down and be still for a second, it was like, okay, let's let's focus on fixing the fixers a little bit, try to help the people and the relationships uh, between the people and rescues. And I think that's being able to work on that helps a little bit because we gotta we gotta help the people that's helping the baby. So so I know you've got a big hashtag same team out there, and that's sort of a, a big platform that, that you go on. But can you take a little bit of time and dive deeper in that? What does that really mean to you? So same team is it's not even just diversity. I know I work. I do a lot of work with care, the care organization, uh, companions and animals for reform and equity. But it's not even outside of just uh, diversity or race thing. Same team is like for all of us in rescue because we're so hard on each other. We're probably the most critical of one another than anybody else. So same team is basically a hashtag that I've been using, just letting it know we're all on the same team. Even if you don't agree with somebody's process or procedure, we're still on the same team. We still do it. We still here for the animals. We still doing the same thing. So it's, it's important that we either work together or learn not to work against one another you know if we we could i either can work with you or i'll just step away but i at no point do i want to uh work against you or stop you from what you're doing because we are on the same team we are helping the animals i actually just started a a podcast too trying to be like you when i grow up oh (laughs) excellent tell me more about that so if you all know smush uh shannon jackson uh, well smush the famous cat smush and her mom, her human, uh, Shannon Jackson, her and I have been friends for years now. And we've been talking about working together in some capacity. Like we've been talking for years. The pandemic slowed it down. But we all we both had that same team kind of mentality. So we've, we've been talking about it. We talked about starting a podcast. We finally got it up and running uh, earlier in the year. We got it up and running. And it's one of the main parts of it is called smush the beef and it's literally geared towards it's giving people a chance to come on you have to agree to have a positive outcome with this but you're going to smush the beef and it's rescues and other rescues rescuers and other rescuers but we're giving them a chance to come on talk it out and end it close end it out so we can work together it's all on a positive note, though, you can't cut. It's not Jerry Springer. You can't come on the podcast and be like, hey, they said this and that. Da, da, da. No, it's not a big fight. It is to make up, to work together. So Smush the Beef is one part of the uh, podcast, but a lot of it is the same team pod. And that's what it's about, like positive energy and just helping with the relationships and keeping it keeping it kind of fun. We got to keep it kind of fun. You do. You do. You need to. I mean, being able to to laugh and smile and have some good positive energy, you know, helps us certainly get through the day. So 
then what's the name of the podcast? Same team podcast. Oh, excellent. We'll make sure we get the link in the show notes and uh, encourage folks to subscribe. The more animal oriented podcasts we have out there, the better off we're going to be for sure. Definitely. So that's fantastic. I think so. so. You can never have too many podcasts. No, never, never. Yeah. What? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now you might have too many cats, right? But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some people say that's not true either. I, I, know. I know a lot of people would be like, no such thing. I know. Depends <laughs> on your resources. I know like right. there are quite a lot of people who have done some phenomenal things for a lot of cats. So it's it's all, you know, you have to each person one at one at a time. So what what have you been up to in 2022 and what do you have going on for the rest of the year? So going into the, the rest of the year, I want to do more traveling. We did Project Runway, Baltimore, uh, Greece, and Paris. Greece, the, the I want to do more trips like Greece. Like the rescue trip, I think it's amazing. Uh, it builds up a lot of awareness. And again, it's the same team concept. It's seeing people work together, different people everywhere, all over the place, no matter what you look like or sound like or whatever, all of us working together. So I want to do more trips like that. I want to do more trips out of the country, in the country, and just bringing people together. As we see what's all been going on, I think it's just important that us as people, we try to maintain that positive energy and, and show that we're working together in all ways. And as always, animals and music, I think animals and music can bring us together. I'll always be promoting that. So that's Earlier in the year, that was all that was, oh, global. We did global. We did the Global Pet Expo. Did a lot of work with, with Yao catnip brand. The If, you, if y'all have, your cat has the yellow bananas. Those are my peeps, the catnip bananas. Those are my Yao peeps. And that, uh, that was fun. We did that in Orlando. And like I said, in the future, we still moving towards more cat stuff. It's more tabby dates. I'm hoping that with, with tabby dates, me and uh, Nathan and I, we're looking towards television. So we're <laughs> so that's a, a, a lot of uh, the direction we're headed to now to uh, further the mission. But again, I want the stuff that I do to be comedy. I would like for it. To, it's going to be cats and comedy because I, I feel like we need that. So that's what I've been working on. A lot of a lot of different ideas uh, for shows, cat shows and stuff like that. I can't, I can't say too much. <laughs> For folks that don't know what Tabby Dates is, and we did have, we had Nathan on the show a while back too, right when he was first launching Tabby Dates, but what specifically is it? So Tabby Dates is the first dating app for cat lovers. And I want to be clear about that because a lot of people would come to me and Nathan and be like, hey, are y'all breeding cats? Are you hooking cats up with other cats? No, I would not be breeding. That's not my thing. (laughs) I'm a TNR guy, so I can't do that. But it's for cat lovers to connect with other cat lovers because that was that was one uh, issue Nathan had. Definitely. It was an issue that I had dating because. It's like, hey, you paint your nails and you got these cats. That's weird. You're weird. This isn't going to work. So I get you get to find like minded people instantly. And that's cats. That's usually one thing that people are real hot and cold about. So you can you get a head start on a date. if you at least already dealing with people, you know, that are cat people. So that's what that is. Tabby dates is. And we were on Shark Tank 
we got to deal with uh, Kevin, Mr. Wonderful. So that's been keeping us busy, but I'm, I'm hoping to do a lot more with Tabby and use that, use that app for fosters and uh, bottle baby fosters and adopters as well. That's one of the, you know, Nathan and everybody else is like, Sterling, it's about dating. And I'm like, I know it's about dating, but there's fosters here. There's more to it for sure. Yeah, there's more to it. I see a lot of fosters is what I'm seeing on this date nap. So hopefully it'll be again, fun. Uh, it'll help be an ally as far as compassion, fatigue and burnout, get some fun in there and also get some babies adopted and help me with some fosters. Bottle baby fosters are, whew, I tip my hat to bottle baby fosters where, where y'all out there, y'all are amazing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> definitely. So as we sit here, I see your logo behind you and you've got, you know, a picture of a cat with a left ear tip. And I don't know if you've discovered this at all when your travels around the country, but I think you've gone to California and in California and I think Oregon and Washington, they ear tip on the right ear rather than the left. Do you know like anything about like why that is? I, you know, I don't understand why it's that because I've seen the right and I've seen the notch. I know the notch in the ear is kind of old school, but I've seen the notch. And I've had people argue over the right ear. I've heard, too, that some it's a sex thing. Like they were ear tipping due to sex. If it was a, if it was a female, then it would be the right ear. If it was a male, it would be the left ear. I've heard it different places. I, you know, I try not to. <laughs> I, I try to focus on let's just get the babies fixed. Because I've had people sit and argue about which ear to tip. And I was like, wow, I don't. I don't think this is debate worthy as long as we taking care of the kitties. But I have heard that I have heard it was somewhere else, too. It was it was Los Angeles, I think, Washington or like the Portland, Washington area or something. And But it was somewhere else I was at. And I promise they they really were were having fights about which to ear to tip. And I just. Yeah. I mean, I think whatever the trend is for that area is what you would go with for sure. And I think I think a flat tip is more helpful than the notch. We used to notch in the nineties and I think that's, and tattooing was challenging too. I mean, it's, you can't, it's really hard sometimes to see the tattoo and it, it does wear out over time also. So the tattoo on the spay incision, I totally understand that component for sure, but it is there. It's just, we are an odd lot you know, because we get very, I don't know, attached to our traditions to a certain degree. And so being open-minded and flexible, I think is a great skill for us to have. Do you get the sense that more organizations are getting more comfortable with trap new to return, like municipal organizations or the larger humane societies? Or do you feel like it's still staying sort of at the ground level with individuals trying to do TNR in their own backyards or, or maybe a combination? I I think it's still more of a, a feet on the ground thing as far as TNR. I see the larger organizations addressing it more. I see them addressing it and you know they they want to have something to do with it, but it's still it's still I feel like it still boils down to the community. It's still it's that group it's it's that group of motivated, compassionate women that got together and they're working with the big organization, but it's still kind of them. So I like the fact that uh, the big organizations are talking about it and open to it more, but I do think it'll more than likely until we could. And that's one of the things I've been I'm working on, too, that I want to 
not just later in this year, but going forward is to make this a career like TNR, Cat Rescue. People see that there's no money in it. So it's all passion. But I, it needs to be a career. It needs to be a career that people can enjoy, that people are proud of. And I think if we can move to that, you know, the, that's where the big organizations can help. If we can make this a career. I had I didn't know when I started in Atlanta, that was that became my position. I didn't know that was so rare for somebody to get paid for that. And I, I actually was the community cat coordinator. So it wasn't really the TNR guy. And a lot of times I was teaching other people or handing them traps and I'll go late at night and just do it myself like a crazy man. But <laughs> it was, I didn't know once I went on my own that there wasn't a lot of organizations that was paying somebody to do that position, to do that TNR thing. So I think the more we get to that, and, and I want to push for that, I think it'll be, it'll, it'll be more so both. But right now I feel like it's still on the ground, feet on the ground. A, a lot of people that's just committed and they start doing it on their own we still got a lot of folks that's like in their little corner and they do their thing and that's it. <laughs> so I want to, I'm hoping we could open it up more. And like I said, make it a career thing, make it something that people can do, can uh, make a career out of. And that is pleasurable. Like it's something that's looked at as good. Cause I know with me, that's another reason for tabby days. Cause it's like, you do what? That doesn't sound like a cool job. That doesn't sound like a clean, cool, fun, or high-paying job. So, no. <laughs> yeah. And with that being said, there's lots of challenges. We talked about the fact that there were a lot of clinics that have cut back on their capacity for their appointments. Um, at the United Spay Alliance online conference we had several months back, there was a statement was over 2 million appointments, spay-neuter appointments did not happen during the pandemic that would have happened through some statistical analysis that was done through Clinic HQ software. And so, you know, we really had a setback in terms of the number of spay neuter surgeries that we would have held during the last two years. And with that being said, there's been burnout, compassion fatigue, just a lot of issues with regards to our technicians, with regards to our veterinarians. You know, have you heard of any thoughts or ideas or suggestions on number one, like sort of how to heal the profession and how to help increase our capacity? I mean, from now, now the big organization standpoint, that is ah, that's it's, it's tough because, like you said, a lot of people, a lot of vets couldn't and, and the appointments are backed out. It's going to take a minute to, I think, to to fix that. I don't on that end. Because like you said, the appointments, I'm, I'm in North Carolina a lot. I work out there a lot. And the ASPCA out there, I couldn't get spots. I mean, I literally could not get spots. And I was like, hey, I just won ASPCA Catman of the Year. How could I not get spots? <laughs> they like, okay, Hollywood, you still just a trapper. And no, we don't have those spots. So I'm like, wow, like I, I can't get spots. So it's, that one's going to be tough. I think like I was what we were saying earlier, the main thing to do and why I love your certification program, you and Neighborhood Cats, is because we're getting them out there. We're trained like when when the clinics and the vets are ready, we're going to have them moving out, ready to go, trained, educated, knowing how to do it, passionate about it. But that's going to be that's going to be a tough one. I, I have been, you know, it's more of a long term thing, but I have been. Uh, I spoke at Tufts, Tufts University, and I've been speaking to future 
veterinarians, going to vet med schools and speaking with them and just trying to get them motivated about help and rescue and, and, and the future of it all. Because I know the way it's set up with vets and vet techs, they probably like, I'm not doing the rescue side because it's no money or I probably don't want to deal with those people like that. So I'm trying to speak with them and, and get some future vets that even if you're going to go to that private practice, you still can help rescue, still can be passionate about this. So I'm hoping that's some of the things that we get some more vets out there learning and you and neighborhood cats are training the TNR folks and we just move them out. We just move them out when we can handle that capacity again. But um, I think the main thing now, our main focus, our best thing is that we could probably heal some of the relationships with the people, heal some of the humans, work on some of the compassion, fatigue and burnout. And those are kind of like the things that I've been trying to focus on more without being able to do as much TNR. Cause like I said, it was, I come from a time where I could, it was nothing for me to trap 50 cats a night. I could, I could find the surgeries. I could do it. It would be okay. And now it's like Sterling, how many, you got three cats like, Oh boy. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's tough, but I do me being me, me being upbeat and positive. I do believe that I, I, I see the light ahead. I see, I see good ahead. So. That's great. Yeah. And I, I also think that doing the trapper certification workshops really enables no appointment slot to be left behind, basically. Right. I know that some clinics have expressed, you know, frustration or whatever concern about the fact that, you know, trapper will book 10 slots and they'll only show up with five cats and they were preparing for 10 and that kind of thing. And I think if we can develop some systems, I know that there's a group on Long Island where if somebody doesn't have cats for all their appointments, they share their appointments amongst themselves so that they can always ensure that the slots are being used. And, and veterinarians, the one thing I know about veterinarians is they really appreciate predictability. And mm -hmm. so if they know that they're going to be getting X females and X males, and I mean, I know it's challenging from a trapping standpoint, you don't know what you're going to trap, but even if you can hit your numbers correctly, that is incredibly valuable to them. It's almost as painful to a veterinarian for you to show up with too few cats than it right. is to show up with too many cats. So right. it's that understanding. So if you are out there and you are planning on trapping and you're making a plan with a clinic, please make sure you can fill those slots because if you don't, they're going to cut someone else's request back who might be able to do it, but they feel like, oh, well, they those trappers, they never can get it done. So just make sure you're creating a strong relationship and really utilizing those slots. And if you don't think you can fill them, either make sure you have a backup plan or make sure that you, know, you don't book too many slots. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum, Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum, come for an answer, stay for the community. It's 87 degrees outside, which means it could be more than 110 degrees inside your car. However, in most states, it's illegal to rescue animals or children from hot cars. But with only minutes to spare, many choose to rescue animals from cars at their own risk. And many owners choose gratitude. 
Never leave pets or children unattended in a car because a few minutes is never a few minutes and minutes may be all they have. This PSA is brought to you by Capain and Animals for Reform and Equity. Team Dubert is at it again, and now they have an amazing companion case management module that once again revolutionizes how you rescue animals. Dubert partnered with Dallas Pets Alive and the Spay-Neuter Network to build a powerful solution that allows you to manage cases of any kind. Whether owner surrender calls or emails, community cat tracking and reporting, Dubert is the only system that integrates two-way text messaging, automatic follow-ups, and even a rehoming solution that every organization can use. No more trying to manage 10 different technologies when everything is all in one place and tightly integrated. From fostering to transport, fundraising to e-commerce, supply and demand to case management, Dubert has everything you need to streamline your operations so you can focus on saving more animals. Check out the new companion case management module at www.dubert.com CCM and get signed up today. And trap training, trap training too. That's the thing that I've been showing a lot of people to keep that trap, to feed, to, you know, set out. If, if you have a colony of however many cats, you got six traps. You feed in those six traps. You leave the door open. You let the cat get used to coming in and out with nothing happening. They come in and trap, they eat, they walk out the trap and nothing happens. They get used to eating in the trap. So when you do have that when the vet does have room and you can go in for surgery, now you know you have six cats that's going to go in those six traps. They've been eating in there every day. They don't feel like it's a threat because you prop that door open. So now you can confidently, it's, it's a little, I mean, it can still, you know, you can still not get one, but you can confidently tell the vet, hey, I know I'm going to have these six cats coming in because I've been, they've been eating, coming in and out these traps every day. I'm going to set them as soon as you tell me I can. That's when I'm going to set them and then we can go. So trap training is a I've been trying to work with a lot of people with that, too, because it's like it's, it's hard to determine it. And that makes it just a little bit easier. And it makes the job easier for the vets and the vet techs, too. I hope people know that vets aren't just being jerks. <laughs> Some people are like, they just don't like me. No, they're really busy. <laughs> Really, and the, the easier you can have check in and check out be, the better off it's going to be. I'm just right. curious to ask you, you know, how long do you hold a female cat before you release them? 48 hours, unless it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a look, I'm definitely taking a look at any cat, but usually the male's 24, female's 48, unless we're in a spay abort situation or there's an injury or something. But I try to, uh, I try to get them back out as soon as possible. You know, smells, scents, the environment, everything is important. So I try to get them back. I, I I usually let the females heal for 48 hours. Unless there's something else visible, then I'm going to keep them and uh, check them out. And what is your favorite bait that you use? Oh, boy. Well, I've, bait is different. Like I my <laughs> my favorite bait I've seen, the KFC is like the end all. Like if you can't, if the mackerel, if Jack mackerel doesn't work, if the sardines and tuna and the regular cat food doesn't work, then you amp it up to the KFC chicken, which is, I don't know why it works. Like it get, it gets them going, but I've, the bait switches. I always switch the bait because a lot of times the cats in colonies, once you, when you first go the first day, it's like, bam, you get a lot. Then the second day, it's a little less. Then the third day. And after, 
you know, soon they understand, they recognize the scent of that bait with you. And now they they get a little smart. So you have you it's good to change up that bait, that smell. I'll walk, I'll leave away the fishy smell and stuff and go right to KFC so they can stop relating that smell with, hey, every time that smell come around, some of our homies look they go away and come back weird. Right. <laughs> so I try to I try to switch the bait up. I've even been doing catnip and silver vine with drop traps, only with drop traps though, because the silver vine and catnip is so strong. If like I've had cats just be outside the trap rolling around and they don't go in the trap and it's like, okay, this isn't good for the regular true catch or have a heart type traps, but for a drop trap, it's, it's helped me out. It's, it's definitely helped me out with a lot of cats that have dental issues and uh, so many strays and ferals have dental issues. So if they don't, if they don't adhere, if they don't get too intrigued by the food because they have dental issues, they don't want to take that risk. The catnip has got them. <laughs> Smell that silver vine and be like, oh, I'll just roll around. And But only the drop trap, though. I wouldn't recommend the silver vine or catnip with the regular trap. It was it was weird when I did that. <laughs> Everybody was outside the trap just rolling around. <laughs> have you used the remote control drop trap at all? I have one. Yeah, I have one. And how does that compare to the string pulling one? Uh, you know, it's mixed reviews. I like it. The funny thing about it with me, the remote control drop trap, I think the string and it's the same thing. The only thing, my my trick with the remote control thing is it's a gadget, it's a gun. So I was able to get more guys, believe it or not, engaged and feeling like they were hunting because the trigger's like a gun or they, they make a game out of it. So the, the remote actually, it's not that much different. I will say with the string, I've had cats stop and play with the string before. And with the gun, when you hit the trigger, there's a lever that's on the actual trap. Sometimes the cat hears that lever and get out and can get out of there before it actually drops. So you got your advantages and disadvantages to both of them. I I, I will say if you're trying to get some of these knucklehead guys involved more, <laughs> get a get the remote control trap because it's fun. It's 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 fun for whatever reason. But they're about the same. I I mean I like I said, a string, sometimes the cat has stopped and played with it or the string itself makes a move and then they go. But it's the same. It, you can have that same issue with that lever, too. I've actually I haven't had it happen a lot, but I've had it happen before. And I've heard other people say I just can't use the remote control because they hear it. They hear that that lever and then they take off. So either both of them are pretty cool. I could do the string or the remote control, but the remote control, for whatever reason, definitely gets the guys. The young, the young teenage boys have been, they just want to stand there with that trigger. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Interesting. When you approach trapping a colony of cats or a group of cats, I have read in a variety of different places that if you get 75% or 80 of those, 80% of those cats spayed and neutered, that that's good enough. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. I mean, I, <laughs> you got to do what you can. I would, I will say, don't put more on yourself. Don't beat yourself down if you only do 75%. I mean, you're doing it. And but I don't, you know, if you want to keep it going, I don't I think you should. Usually with me, the colonies that I haven't trapped everybody yet is just because it's two boys. It's two males left. So they're not gonna mate, but I'm still going back trying to get them. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still trying to get them. Or it's two females. But I I don't 
you know, if you do 75%, I would say don't don't beat yourself up because still you did a lot. Like that's the difference between ha- overpopulating a bunch and now you might see one or two new ones that you could still fix and take care of the colony. It makes it a ton easier. So 75% for me, I'm a madman. I'm just going to keep going. But seriously, I wouldn't beat yourself up about that. I mean, 75% is pretty good and you're still doing it. You're still doing the work. You're still helping. You know, even if you was trapping one, you're still helping. So don't beat yourself up. But if you can do more, do more than 75%. Go, go, go all the way if you can. <laughs> Should our like objective be to at the end of the day or the end of multiple years really strive for our colony of cats to sort of age out and reduce in numbers? Or I'm sort of in some that same theme of that other question, which is, you know, do we aspire to have fewer community cats out there? <laughs> of course I don't, but um I don't think less community cats is the thing. I, I would say less injuries, less disease, which comes from lack of resources, overpopulating. I mean, I would love to see as many cats, you know, as I can. I don't mind. I love them. But the problem is, is they'll eventually fight over resources and it's not enough medicine. It's not enough to help all of them. So I don't think the goal is necessary. My, I don't want to see less, but I want to see less injured. I want to see less disease. And those things come from overpopulation. So it's, you know, I I don't know if that's what we want to do is just see less to where we don't see none of them no more, because that makes my day. But I think the less disease, the, the less we see with the eyes bulging or the, the hurt tails, like a lot of that stuff is just, is just bad. Or like in Demita's case, like I said, her mom, if we weren't just, Looking around, that would have been bad because she was, they was about this big over there in the bushes. I'm sure mom was going to get some food, but I want to see less of that because if that that mom got hit by a car and now her babies is in the bushes, if we don't find those babies, then that's prey. They're gone. Mama goes. It's just a tragic. It's tragic. So I want to see less of that. I can't say necessarily less community cats because those are friends, you know? <laughs> so I think what where we're going with this is talking about elevating the status or the wellness of the cats in our community and trying to provide the resources to help those cats. And this is for probably another conversation down the road, but we talk about access to care, which we've touched upon a little bit in this conversation, which there are substantial challenges for folks to be able to get appropriate care for their cats or, you know, low cost, some would say affordable care for cats, being able to, you know, afford taking care of their family members, huge challenges, which when I say family members, I'm saying they're cats, right? And we want to make sure that there's a world where families can get the help that they need for their cats and not feel like they have to surrender them and not feel like they have to walk away from them in, in a variety of different, of different ways. So I think that, that is the challenge that we all, I think, are trying to address with various different programs that we have going on out there, for sure. But there's definitely a lot of areas in the United States where, you know, there isn't a veterinarian in a community for a long, long ways away. Um, yeah. You know, rural Georgia. Jeez. You know, yes, I've had it's crazy how many people that how many places in Georgia where there is and you go and there's. No, it's nobody out. It's no vet or anything out there. Like we're making a 
we're going to set up a travel mission in the same state. That's crazy almost, but it's that's how it is. We have to trap. We have to trap them out here, transport them all the way here to get spayed and neutered and take all the way back. And, you know, that that's why, like you said, it's never enough podcasts. It's never enough TNR folks. It's never enough. That it's never enough. Actually, it's not too much. It's no such thing as too much because there are still places where people can't get to a vet or they have absolutely no, no help, no services, no, no sort resources to do it. That was the whole point of the Greece trip. The whole point of the trip to Greece was because they love their cats out there, but they, I mean, homemade traps, you know, not knowing how to do TNR, just a struggle. So a lot of times, you know, we have the, the love there for it, but we just need the education and the resources. So so Sterling, if folks are interested in finding out more about you and the work that you're doing, how would they do that? Well, the best place, www.trapkinghumane.org is behind me, but <laughs> you probably won't see that. But uh, www.trapkinghumane.org and social media stuff. If, you on, if you're on Facebook, Facebook has a ton of cat rescue groups in every city. I am probably in all of them. So you can find me on Facebook and cat groups, Instagram. I'm learning TikTok. I'm trying, y'all. I'm, I'm trying real hard, but TikTok is hard. I, I'm getting I'm getting older and I can't keep up. Like TikTok is tough for me, but I'm on there too. But anywhere you find cats, like I say, uh, the original Trap King on Instagram. And I'm usually doing all kinds of silly stuff. I really, I use Instagram to celebrate this relationship that, me as a man, a black man has with my cats and it's okay to do that. It's not uncool. It's not unhip. So a lot of that on Instagram, please check that out. <laughs> Great. Anything else you want to share with our listeners today? I want to, I want to say something It's going not trying to get too serious out of here, but I always got to make some sort of a point about this. This has been my thing lately as we work towards diversity and animal welfare and rescue, which I'm very passionate about. I want us to please remember that everybody in this is going through things. It's not I've, I've, I've experienced things because of race, but I've also seen things happen that have nothing to do with race. So we we I want to always stress that and promote that we have to be good to one another. We have to be most people in this came from trauma, abuse. They use this as an outlet or therapy for themselves. So if you approach one another in a in a tough negative way is hard it's, it, it can be really hard that's we cause a lot of compassion fatigue and burnout with that so as always you do not lose cool points for compassion and please we are same team y'all smush the beef be good to each other awesome sterling thank you so much for being a guest on my show today and also i will keep a lookout because sterling has been very involved in our diversity day online diversity day which is coming up in the fall of 2022 um, yeah. And so uh, we'll, we'll have him there at that. And so that's really exciting. And I, again, I can't thank Sterling. I can't thank you enough for all the support that you've done with the Community Cats podcast and everything. Um, you're just a, a great colleague and, and a good friend. So Always. You know I love you, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. 
And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Did you attend the online kitten conference in June? We hope you enjoyed the incredible content provided by our expert presenters and hope their guidance and encouragement will help you turn your passion for cats into action. Events like the Online Kitten Conference would not be possible without the support of our generous sponsors. CDE Animal Cages, Best Friends Animal Society, Zinzi Pie Save My Pet ID Tag, Humane Network, Feline Fix by Five, and Cat Savant. If your business or organization would like to support content that makes a difference for cats in communities worldwide, visit communitycatspodcast.com slash event dash sponsorship.